Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is accepting help. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zentz, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. So if anybody was paying attention to the service last Sunday, either being there in person or catching it online, you might have noticed that Pastor Amanda had a service dog by her side. So let's start with how did that come about? (laughs) Well, it wasn't until the very end of service during the announcements that he came up and joined me. And yeah, so his name is George. And I... I'm currently pet-sitting him, technically. He is a friends-trained and certified service animal. Okay. There is a difference between an emotional support animal and a trained and certified service animal. Some people may or may not understand that there's a big difference between these. So, for example, Isabel, my pit bull, was an emotional support animal for my stepdaughter. Izzy had been seen by our family psychologist and the support that Izzy was able to give to the family and particularly to my stepdaughter was deemed medically helpful and something that was really good and really incredibly therapeutic for our family. Okay. And so our medical team deemed that Isabel should stay with us as a family medically for medical reasons. And so Izzy was deemed as an emotional support animal. That gives us certain rights that Izzy could be with us for medical reasons. So yes, technically a landlord couldn't say no to us, even though we had a pit bull. Now, landlords would certainly still find a thousand reasons to say no to our application in the Portland housing market. Mm Mm-hmm. And they did. But it was not ostensibly because we had a pit bull, because Izzy was an emotional support animal. There is, however, then another degree. Emotional support animals are not animals then that can come into restaurants where food is served or other locations, because emotional support animals don't have the kind of socialization or training. Like Izzy didn't have any of that. Mm -hmm. She was naturally gifted and had amazing skills at being able to tell when one of us was anxious or scared. She was incredible at comforting us and in calming the situation for us, but she didn't have any particularly trained skills or a task that she had to alert us for, or that she was responsible for. A service animal, a medical service animal, is trained for specific medical tasks and will then alert or perform a specific medical task for the person that they are working with at the time that they are working with them. My friend's dog, George. I have known him since he was a puppy. Okay. And she has trained him. He has been certified and is a task certified service animal. And he is an incredible dog, an incredible service animal and works with her often and has alerted for me in the past informally. 
In the last year, listeners to our podcast may have noticed that I have taken some time off because of migraines. We've even set it on the air and we've posted it on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So my medical condition has continued to exacerbate. And as much as I am seeking medical help for this, I have come to learn that service animals can be trained to work with those who have chronic migraines. So this week, as I am pet sitting and working or taking care of George, he is working with me. And are you alerting me right now, buddy? No. Am I starting to get a headache? I am, aren't I? (laughs) So even in the midst of podcast recording, he is going to sit here and nudge me until I take my medication because he is picking up that I'm starting to get a headache. Um, so he is trained to be able to pick up on lots of different signals, lots of different ways in which there's something happening to the person that he's working with, the person that he is assigned to, or the person that he knows, and to be able to alert them to things that are going on to help disrupt the cycle that will cause symptoms to continue. And for instance, He will alert to overheating. These are all things he's alerted to in the last three days for me. Okay. He's alerted to overheating, which will bring about a migraine. He will alert to a speeded up heart rate that is higher than average, which can indicate that something is going on. He will alert if my pain levels are going higher and I don't recognize. So it's probably that my blood pressure is increasing which is also showing that I'm starting to get a migraine Mm -hmm. before I pick it up. He'll alert to that. So these are all little pieces. He's alerted to my nausea. He's alerted to my dizziness. He's picked up all of these pieces. And normally these are all things that I mask or hide from people. Mm -hmm. And he catches them all. Very interesting to have it all captured. (laughs) Well, we titled this Accepting Help, but (laughs) it's also as much about being honest with yourself in some ways, Mm. right? Yeah. Because we're all terrible at that. (laughs) And I mean, this is a podcast about faith and community, right? Mm -hmm. This is a, a podcast about faithful things. This isn't just a podcast about random talking about our lives, right? So there's a reason that we're talking about this. For me, one of the things that was very interesting is I talked to my friend and she gave me a rundown about how to work properly with a service animal and how to use the vest properly and what the rules and protocols are. I mean, the obvious one, like don't let anyone pet the dog while he's working and those kinds of things and how to give him his treat to make certain that you're helping him know when he's alerting properly and those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. But even beyond all of those pieces, one of the things that she was talking about with the vest that I didn't really understand, she talked a lot about having people ask her why she needed the dog Like, Mm -hmm. what is the dog doing? Mm -hmm. And she was very clear, like, here are your rights. The law states that they may ask you what task the dog is providing. Because, again, service dogs 
have to be providing a medically appropriate task at the time. Okay. To be able to, for example, come into a restaurant. And so you, you need to be able to answer what task the animal is providing. But beyond that, you don't have to give anyone your diagnosis. You don't have to tell someone. You don't have to give medical details. You don't have to justify. Mm -hmm. And people don't have the right to ask you to justify your medical service animal, particularly for my friend who has an invisible disability. I didn't pick up how having a service dog making it visible really feels until all of a sudden my invisible illness, which are my migraines mm -hmm. and my chronic migraines, when all of a sudden George comes running up to me during the service because he just can't handle the fact that I'm not listening to his alerts anymore. Mm -hmm. And I finally just gave him the permission to come up and stand next to me so that he could help me not be so dizzy. Everyone in the entire sanctuary at that moment and everyone watching at that moment could know that I am sick enough to qualify to have a medical service dog. And all of my life since before I can remember, I have always been told to hide my sickness so it doesn't bother anybody. And here I was in the middle of my worshiping community as its leader saying, I am sick enough that I need help, possibly on a daily basis, publicly. And it was really stunning how vulnerable it made me feel, mm -hmm. how surprising it was to be that vulnerable, and how unmasking it felt, all because I just had a really skilled, tremendous, amazing animal who was saying, you are in pain and I want to help you. And it's so interesting because as an outsider, I just think service animals are amazing gifts of God, right? That they are astonishing what they can provide, that they are so brilliant. I know the investment that a service animal can be not only in financial resources, but in emotional resource and in time and in training and all of that kind of piece. I've known individuals, their service animals have saved their lives multitudes of times. Mm -hmm. And they are just astonishing creatures and incredible life partners. I have never once judged someone for having a service animal. So for me, I was not worried about being judged by having a service animal, like as I've contemplated whether or not I would do this. Mm -hmm. And it's been several months that I've been looking at service animals as a potential. I've never worried about being judged, but to experience it was just this moment of feeling very much like, oh my goodness, I am a child of God in this moment. I am so much a child mm -hmm. of God in this moment. I am not a teenager. I am not an adult of God. I am not. Uh, it was really, um, it was really unmasking, I would say. Not like I've been hiding from people or I've been trying to keep it from people or just, you know. Well, I think for a lot of it, we're keeping it from ourselves as much as anything. Probably. And even just doing the best that we can, 
you know, just moving on and doing and getting things done and not recognizing how much, I mean, for me during worship, the fact that he was alerting as much as he was throughout worship. So probably five or six times he alerted through worship and he wasn't next to me. He was down in the front pew, which is about in our sanctuary, about 20 feet away, 25, 30 feet away. And he alerted to my dizziness or my nausea about five or six times. And I had no idea. I just would have ignored all of that Mm -hmm. through the entire service because I'm busy doing other things. I'm Mm -hmm. busy leading worship. I'm busy being present in other ways. One of the things about worship leadership, and this is something that I think we can all kind of hold on to, is when we are doing things that we care about a lot, it's easy to forget our physical forms. We get into our heads or we get into a place where we're worried about other people. We're hosting or we're doing the thing, but we aren't necessarily balancing what we're thinking about or what we're doing our action with actually being in our physical form. God created us as both and. God created us with the incredible ability to think and to dream and to imagine and to hold space and to be creative and to be fully flesh and fully embodied beings. And when we completely disconnect from one or the other, we lose something in that. I think it's very easy for me to disconnect when I'm leading worship from my physical form because my physical form is an annoyance. (laughs) (laughs) And particularly when in the last 14 days, I've had about two days that have been symptom-free from migraines. Wow. And this is on a lot of medication and working really hard over the last year to really dial in help. Yeah. So it's just an astonishing thing to recognize there is more help available. And I think the holiness in this, the beauty in this, and I'm still unpacking it all, right? It's only been two days. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have another Sunday to experience this before his partner comes back and he goes back home and back to work with his full-time partner. I think the holiness in this is this whole experience for me of accepting help, of knowing that God doesn't want me to have to do this alone. Or are you in pain? Yeah, that I don't have to do things when I'm in pain or that pain doesn't have to always be there or... I mean, I think that those of us who live with chronic pain, we just learn how to live with chronic pain. There are millions of people in this world who live with chronic pain Mm -hmm. and we just live with it. And I get that on a deep level. And I think that even if we have to live with the chronic pain, that there is help that can make it easier. It was so interesting. It threw me. I had a meeting afterwards And we went over to Costello's, which is the little travel cafe next to our church. Mm -hmm. And we had lunch and we ordered tea. And normally I always bring the tea over to the table for me and my guest. And normally I bust the table because I'm the pastor and that's what I do. Mm -hmm. And this time someone else carried the tea for me. And this time Costello's staff bust the table for me. And my guest bust the teacups for us. 
And even those little pieces where I accepted the help this time, it was mutual. It was consensual. It was kind. It was honest. It was kingdom of God. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And I think that all of that for me is a huge thing to kind of sit with and look at and ponder and wonder and recognize. And I don't know, maybe I'll just ignore all of it in a week when George goes home and I'm back on my own and I'm super competent and super able and I don't need anything. I'm totally okay. It's mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so in that vein, then if you move forward with the service dog, what would that look like? Oh, I don't know. Service dogs are incredible investments. Sure. And for me as a pastor, I think there's a lot to consider because not only am I looking for a service animal that would be able to meet my medical needs and be able to alert and be sensitive to the kinds of things that I would need alerts for so they would be able to pick up on neurological symptoms and the kinds of things that would be helpful for me. But I also need an animal that would be able to do home visits with me and be able to come to worship with me and be able to interact with public with me. So it's very important to me that the kind of breed that I'm looking at be closer to uh, hypoallergenic. There is no such thing as a truly hypoallergenic dog, but mm -hmm less likely to... There are some that are far better than the others. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So a less allergenic dog. The dog would need to be a larger dog because mm -hmm. if I'm using it to help me find my stability, I'm looking at a larger dog, not a small dog. It presents its own problems. Having been on playgrounds with young children, there are lots of kids that are just scared witless of a big dog. Right. Like Isabel, my sissy, was an amazing dog. She was so perfect and wonderful, and I miss her desperately. And I probably will not go for a pit bull. Sure. Because too many people are afraid of pit bulls just at the outset. George is a labradoodle and looks like a mop. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely looks like a teddy bear mop and has this wonderful capacity to disarm people's fear because he looks like a teddy bear sweetheart walking in and like a floppy moppy love bug, which he is. And so I think there is a definite kind of consideration of how can I look for a kind of dog that is going to be not intimidating for small children, even if it's large, not allergenic, so that I could have them present in diverse populations with allergies, mm -hmm. given how much that matters to me, large enough to be able to meet my needs for when I'm dizzy and needing assistance, finding my way in space and time. So all of those pieces. That being said, service animals, truly trained, highly qualified service animals just for a puppy before they're trained, I think for people to understand is really important that you're starting at the low end at $3,000. Mm-hmm. And then going upwards. And if you're going for a fully trained dog before they you bring them home, 
some of these trained animals are between thirteen to twenty-four thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which is another great time to remind people that service dogs, when they have their vest on, they are not pets. No, they are not there to be petted by you and loved as amazing as they are by you in that time and space. Yeah, they are trained professional working animals, and they are incredible, life-saving, incredible creatures and partners, medical partners. And I could not see how I could afford one that has already been trained. So what it could possibly look like for me would be the investment of the years and years of training Mm -hmm. and training a dog myself with the help of my friend to be able to work my way into that kind of a partnership. So I don't know. It's years away, but this experience of this weekend and just having that capacity to understand this grace, this tangible experience of God's grace, that incredibly humbling moment of God's grace in four paws, um, it was stunning. And I don't know, I offer it out into the ether waves for people to kind of ponder and wonder what are the ways in which Grace is being offered in your life and kindness is being offered in your life that you could ponder and consider accepting it, even if it's hard and scary and different than you would ever anticipate it. And even if it feels like something that is so different than you ever thought that you would want or need, I never thought that I would need this. But the reality is that as much as it helped me on Sunday, I came home and didn't have a migraine for the first time in days and days and days and days. I didn't have a migraine and it didn't hurt and I could sleep and rest without pain. And that was amazing. So I think God's grace can come and find us in some amazing and unexpected ways. And accepting that help is hard and humbling and shocking and really holy. So may you consider the ways in which a floppy, four-pawed, wonderful creation might bring some help and hope to you. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time for helping us learn a little more about accepting help. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening along. If there is anything you would like to share about your experience with service animals or an emotional support animal, feel free to let us know. If you have questions, I may or may not be able to answer them. I'm not terribly knowledgeable about this. I'm just kind of new dipping my toes into this experience, but I would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. And until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.